Ramble. The wait is over. That is right. Season 5 of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. I've got feelings, I've got emotions, I've got a lot of anger in today's episode. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Rotten Mango. And this one is going to be the biggest doozy ever. This one, I would probably say that this is one of my longer, just confusing research that I've done. Like, I try to read through, I want to say, hundreds of pages of court documents and transcripts. And now I am here where my brain is mushy. My brain is like, how the fork did this happen? How the fork did people think that this was acceptable how is it okay there are layers to this shit okay so i feel like the first layer that everyone knows about this case is like oh okay like it deals with race and it deals with the police and it deals with all of these things (laughs) that is just the tip of the iceberg let me tell you when it gets freaking marbles i am talking about there is a woman there is a woman out there who is alive and a free woman who dead ass tried to bribe police officers with Mm -hmm. dunkin donuts gift cards i'm not even kidding i'm not even kidding and it's in official transcripts they're in a fi- oh my gosh i'm so, so upset um, did it work yeah <laughs> <laughs> look at where we are here now yeah that's that's the state of america for you just some got some dunkin donuts listen when you are driving around anywhere you don't have to have anything on you just have some dunkin donuts gift cards like that's it's not a joke sorry that is wait no that is a joke but like you know i'm kidding this case wow okay this is the case of Tamla Horsford, and this has been highly requested, and I have been keeping my eye on this case for a really long time, and I just, I felt like I was always missing something. Every time I would go back to the transcripts, every time I would go back to the court documents, I'd be like, okay, there's no way that it's this confusing. Like, there's no, like, am I just bad at comprehending things? Like, I just don't understand. Mm-hmm. And the more I realize it's, um, no, the whole case is just confusing. It doesn't make sense. It's a doozy. So in order to really understand this case, This takes place in the great state of Georgia. Now, this took place in 2018. And if you guys don't know, I was born and raised in Georgia. And this actually took place in a it's called Forsyth County. Forsyth County. Yeah. So it's coming Georgia, which is about 45 minutes drive from Atlanta. Growing up in Georgia. This is how I look at it. Okay. So Atlanta is where it's kind of like LA. Like everybody's woke in Atlanta, you know? I mean, would I say if like it's a is it a woke contest? Maybe not, you know, but if it was, you know, it's very similar to like all the major cities all across the United States. And like the further you get out, the more you feel like, oh yeah, this is the South. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is definitely Southern. And there's amazing things about the South. Okay, there's Southern hospitality, there's good food, there's all of these amazing things, but there's also obviously a lot of other things, such as, you know, there are lots of parts of Georgia that really are not woke that like you'll go and you'll be like am i being fucking transported back to 20 years ago because that's what it feels like right now because what is happening did someone just look at me and tell me that i'm oriental like i'm fucking korean dude what are you (laughs) talking and i'm sure that's the same with california there's got to be a million areas where you're just like what (laughs) okay and forsyth county is kind of notorious for being a little racist 
Is We're it allowed really? to racist. Yeah, I didn't know the history of this, which is kind of crazy because I took a whole Georgia history class. But um, I didn't know the history of Forsyth County and how racist it was. So they have an intense, intense history with racism, and it still prevails to this day, kind of. And if you guys are offended, if you live in Forsyth County or if you live in Georgia, please don't be offended. Like, I have very fond memories of growing up there. That's a lie. Um <laughs> I like Georgia. I think it's a beautiful state. There's so much to love about Georgia. I personally didn't have a great experience, but my family all lives there and they freaking love it. And I love my family and I love Georgia. Georgia's an amazing place, okay? I'm not saying everyone in Forsyth County is racist. I'm saying the people who run it can be racist. So that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say you, you rotten mango are living in Forsyth County. You a racist bitch because you're obviously not if you're listening to this. Well, I hope so. So 1912, they had just like this massive lynching and I know you're gonna be like 1912 well wasn't everything racist in 1912 it's just wait okay so there was two separate incidents the first incident there was a black man who was alleged to have attempted to rape a white woman and the victim the white woman told them that oh well he tried to rape me but he couldn't rape me because he ran away in time so I didn't get raped right and there was like this huge debate of like okay well are we sure it was attempted rape are you sure that this actually happened you know because there was a lot of allegations at the time of people being like hey this black man tried to rape me and then everyone's like okay but where where are the receipts you know and so a black preacher he had suggested that maybe the victim um possibly could it be possible and he did this in such a good way could it possibly be possible that she was in a relationship with that black man because back in the day like interracial relationships a lot of the times they were held as secret and a lot of the times if people were caught they would make up some crazy excuse Mm. and it could be as crazy as oh no we weren't having sex they were raping me And so the black preacher, he was just like, you know, could this maybe before we go and try to kill someone? Because that's what the energy is given off right now. Are we sure that this wasn't a love? You know, this wasn't a relationship. And so that's when a group of white men were like, oh, my God, fuck you for saying that. And so they dragged him into the town square and they whipped him. The priest? The priest just by suggesting that the victim was in an interracial relationship. Yeah, yeah. The suspect of this one, the attempted alleged um, rapist, he was never even charged due to lack of evidence. So there was never even a trial. Then the second incident happened in like the in a span of like three months in 1912, right in Forsyth County. And this was five suspects were arrested for rape and they were held in Cumming, Georgia jail. So like the county jail and 4000 white men stormed the jail, dragged out one of the men who was accused of raping someone and um, shot him and hanged his body in the town square. So then after that, there was something called the Night Raiders, right? And I do want to point out that um, not every resident was like this. Not every white person in Forsyth County, even in 1912, was like this, okay? Just like there were a lot of people who were like, hey, let's not do this. But they just didn't win, right? They couldn't Mm -hmm. convince people not to do it. And so the Night Raiders, they essentially would get onto like... I'm like, their horses? I don't know what they rode. So they would get into their like method of transportation and they would bring their guns and they threatened every single black resident to get the fork out and then in 24 hours or we're going to kill you. Kick them out of the town? Yeah. 
And so at that point, literally every single black person left in fear. Most of them lost their land that they worked hard for. Most of them lost personal property that they would never get back. I mean, this set them back. I mean, they were already set back, you know, but this set them back even further. So they just there was like no black person in Forsyth County for so long, for so long. It was so crazy that in the 1980s that there was um, a big peaceful protest. It was Uh a march. And they did this because they were like, wow. There was only about like four black people living in the entire Forsyth County. So they were like, you know, it has to do like it has to do with the racism here. Like we need to fix it. We need to come together. And so it was a um, interracial, like peaceful, beautiful march. Right. And then uh, white supremacists showed up and they started throwing rocks at them. And when I say white supremacists, I'm saying like the KKK showed up like dead ass. The KKK showed up and they they held up signs that said, keep Forsyth racially pure. Oh they um, were screaming the n-word at the marchers a lot of the people were injured and then later on they had a second peaceful march and it was it was probably one of the biggest in civil rights marches at that time it, it was like 20,000 people of all different races that showed up so even to this day I believe Forsyth County the last time the consensus was done the consensus the census you idiota <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the consensuses the census is that it's about 4% black in Forsyth County and now there are more minorities but most of the minorities in that county are Asian or Hispanic so Mm -hmm. even to this day there's not a lot of people living not a lot of black people living in that county right and there's still a lot of like a scandal so the last time I heard about like some racial scandal was um when a lot of um people were really upset that Asians were moving into Forsyth County because a lot of moms said that it was socially and academically ruining their white kids lives (laughs) yeah like it was like this really intense thing that like they didn't Mm. look at asian kids as kids they were just like oh this thing like this migration of these asians are just like ruining my kids lives and everyone was like we bought a house here like what are you talking about like we live here we're just going to the school and it was like this whole drama yeah i don't know if that's why do i feel like i've heard coming is up and coming yeah, so I did reach out to my sister. <laughs> reach out to her. I talked to my sister, okay? So I talked to my sister and her fiance, and they're a little bit more knowledgeable in Atlanta than I am. They talk to their friends who live in Cumming, and they say Cumming's a lot better now. And the exact quote that this person told my sister's fiance for research purposes was, and this is just <laughs> one person, okay? Is that um, it's getting better. Like, nobody's blatantly racist. Ugh. And I was like, ah, I know that I know what that means. I know what that means. <laughs> so this all starts in 2018 with a woman by the name of Tamla Horsford. And we're just going to call her Tam because that's what everyone called her. And that was her nickname. So she was 40 years at the time that this happened. She was born in the Caribbean. Now, this is really important. OK, so being from the Caribbean, I guess it's almost like the equivalent of like being from, I don't know, Hawaii or California, like anywhere else you go. You're like, oh, my God, it's so cold. Like that was the running joke for her was that anywhere she went, it was was freaking cold you know people used to poke fun at her because it would be 70 degrees and she'd be like guys it's chilly today no mm-hmm. and then people would be like oh my god it like sometimes snows in georgia like how are you gonna do it so she was married to a man by the name of leander and he goes by lee so lee and tam they've been married for 16 years and in the beginning of their marriage they lived in florida for most of it and they had a really beautiful life so they had five sons five sons and they were ranged from four to 14 years old so um lots of different you know age groups now she also was 
briefly living with her stepdaughter from a previous relationship, like letting the stepdaughter stay with her. Mm-hmm. Um, she ended up because she was older. She didn't, ended up not staying like moving to Georgia later. So she ended up staying in Florida. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like just shows how good of a person Tamla was because I mean, this this was her stepdaughter from her previous relationship, you know, and she's just like, yeah, no, I love you. And she still, even to her last breath, to the last day that she was alive, was so loving and giving to her stepdaughter. It gets so sad, okay? So Lee gets a new job and they have to relocate to coming Georgia. So they're like, you know what? This is exciting. And the most exciting thing for them was that their sons were really good at football. And they had heard about Forsyth County. They said it's like football town. You know, Georgia, like the South is kind of really into football too. I feel like it's more the East Coast thing is like a football thing, right? And so they were like, yes, the South, like we're going to coming Georgia. Like it's going to be the best. And they just were so, so excited. Now, Tam, she was a big football mom. She's super super involved with the kids she always went to every single football game i mean she volunteered at schools like if there was a pta function she's PTAing that shit like she's there she's not even there she's like running the pta meeting like she's like the one giving out cookies and stuff and you're like wow people are actually like here wow they also had a really tight-knit family everyone described tam to be open giving the life of the party and they said that you just couldn't not like her even if you tried so hard she was just one of those people she was also super outgoing she people kind of considered her like the glue of every function like she would bring together everyone and she just was really good at making sure nobody felt awkward and she's like really good at small talk like you know those people like they'll literally just start talking to you and you're like thank god because i was just standing in the corner awkwardly without this person like wow so um her husband would say lee would say that she loves family life and you because she doesn't know a stranger. Like, that was his, like her thing. Like, she literally doesn't know a stranger. Like, you meet her once, she's your best friend. She moves to Cumming, Georgia. She makes a bunch of friends, right? Now, most of her friends are also fellow football moms or just, like, moms that she would meet at school because, you know, she was living that mom life. And her BFF was Michelle Graves. Now, I'm going to stop talking about Michelle for quite some time, but she's going to become a pivotal part of the story at the end. So, for the next five and a half years until 2018, I mean, she was living the best life in Cumming, Georgia. Like, she was people loved her right the community Mm -hmm. loved her everyone loved her so then november 3rd 2018 rolls around and there's a woman by the name of jean myers it's gonna sound like john but it's spelt like jean but she pronounces jean like the french i don't know if she's french she doesn't sound french but i don't know okay so jean myers it was this was gonna be her 45th birthday she was gonna have this massive adult slumber party at her house like no men were allowed it's just gonna be all girls all these football moms are gonna come together and we're just gonna celebrate Jean's 45th birthday party, right? And it's going to be at Jean's house. So these are all football moms. Football moms. They know each other because their their kids kids. play football together. Oh, Oh, yeah. This is literally the straight up craziest thing ever. Like, it's not even just like a group of moms who work together. It's like literally PTA moms, like soccer moms, like fucking minivan moms. Wow. And it gets crazy. Okay. And so Stacy, she was kind of like the glue of the party. So she was the party organizer and she was actually really close with Tamla at the time. So that's why Tamla was invited. So Tamla wasn't necessarily BFS with Jean. The mm. only way that she knew Jean was because their kids played football together. Yeah. So they were just like kind of acquainted. And so it was... um. Like, if I can just say it, it was a lot of white football moms. Um, Tamla was the only black woman there. She was the only black person there. So Jean's boyfriend is Hispanic. And, and none of this really matters. But I know that people are going to point it out, right? Because we are dealing with a lot of race that is going to get involved later. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? Side note. When a lot of people 
kind of talk about this as, um, you know, Tam was murdered because she was black. It gets a little confusing because there's no there's no clear motive, especially because the person that you're questioning is also a minority. So it's like it gets a little bit gray. I don't necessarily Who's a minority. Jean's boyfriend which he's uh, really suspicious. So I uh, don't necessarily think that, you know, Tam was murdered because she was black, but I do believe that the investigation was botched and I do believe that a lot of people thought that they could get away with it because she is black. So mm-hmm. I don't think that was necessarily like the motive. I don't think like these like white moms got together and were like, let's kill a black lady today. Like, I don't think that happened at all. Right. Okay. But I do think after the fact, whatever the motive was, you know, then they were like, okay, let's just, you know, yeah, no okay. one's going to care. Right. Got so it. like that was kind of their mindset. And so she was the only black woman there and she um, was acquainted with a few of the other women that were there, but she didn't really know them that well. But again, like I said, no big deal. She's really good at getting to know people. So rule number one of this slumber party was that no men were allowed yet. Yet two men ended up at the slumber party. So Jose Barrera is the 27 year old boyfriend of 45 year old Jean. So Jean could get it. Um, Hmm. That's the only nice thing I'll say about her today. Sorry. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so he's a 27 year old boyfriend. He was there even though he was supposed to be gone for the night. So he doesn't actually live there. He doesn't live with Jean. You know, Jean has her kids that live there and the kids were out for the night. But he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to show up even though you told me not to. And then Stacy, the party organizer, her husband named Tom. So Tom, this is where it gets so weird already. Like nothing even happened and it's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Tom said that he doesn't want to be home. Because, you know, women. I don't understand that. No, I don't understand it either. And I was like, wait, what? This is weird because it almost implies he doesn't want to be home that night because women. Like, that implies that his wife's like, oh, the old ball and chain, right? But his wife's not home. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's some information that was left out. Like, maybe they lived with her mom, like, wife's mom. I don't know. But he was just like, you know, women. And then Jose was like, yeah. And then they were like, okay, well, we can't go to Tom's house. So the plan was to that Jose would go to Tom's house, I guess, and hang out. I don't know so where they Jose know lives. each other. Yeah, I don't know where Jose lives and if they didn't want to go to Jose's place. But they just like ended up at Jean's house because they were like, oh, you know, woman, we hate him. But like, let's go to this woman sleepover, right? Mm-hmm. And so they tell the ladies like, hey, do you guys mind if we hang out in the basement? And this was the LSU versus Alabama football game. And like I said, you're dealing with a lot of football moms. So they were like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, we're going to watch this game. And then the two men were like, hey, we're going to watch the game in the movie theater downstairs in the basement. Right. And so they were like, OK, have a good time. Now, during halftime of the game, Jose and Tom, they hear some click clacking upstairs. They're like, oh, my God, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like dishes. Let's go upstairs because they were hungry. So during halftime, they sneak their way upstairs. They start eating some gumbo, some ch- chips, you know, and dip and all these things. And then they just like end up staying with the women the rest of the night. So mm-hmm. they just kind of like finesse their way in there mm-hmm. very weird very very weird they also said that they didn't feel good that night and that they didn't want to like spend money to go out because the police were really confused like why were you guys here <laughs> you know like everyone was like why are you guys here and they just like said that they didn't want to spend money to go out something was going on at home and they didn't feel good so they they wanted to stay in the basement very weird right yeah. now jose is going to be the more important of the two boys and it's because he was a pre-trial court officer for forsyth county so he is in law enforcement and he's going to get okay. fired later because he accesses confidential files that he shouldn't 
using his credentials at work. So then let's talk about the other person that was there that was not involved with the actual slumber party. So her name is Madeline Lombardi, and she was actually Jean's aunt, Jean's aunt, sorry. So she was actually Jean's aunt, and she lived in the basement of the home, and she was also at the party, but like not at the party. So she was just present. Now, the way that the house is set up, it looks like a very stereotypical middle upper class Georgia home. I'm not going to lie, okay? So it's got two stories. The basement, though, right? It's got a basement that's obviously finished, but from the basement, you you can literally open the door and you're in the backyard. So that means usually with Georgia homes, they'll add like this um, porch like in the back. And it's kind of like a one story porch. Like if you fall off the porch, you know, foreshadowing, it's about a story, like one floor that you fall. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, it was on a slope. So maybe even a little bit higher than one floor. But that's kind of just like what it looked like. It looked like a massive home and had like six bedrooms or something. It's something crazy like that. And so Tamla, she actually ends up showing up late to the party. Mm-hmm. So the party started around 630 p.m. But Tamla, like I said, she's like a family woman. So she's making dinner. She even made breakfast for the next morning. Just Mm -hmm. so that her sons and her husband could be fed. So she made a breakfast casserole. And Tamla, she does not get out a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. she's got a bunch of kids, you know? She's not going out and partying. So she was really excited. Yeah, she was so excited um, before she left the house. Oh, my God, I'm going to cry already. Okay, before she left the house, she put on her PJ onesie because it was supposed to be a slumber party. And her little onesie had like these little paw prints on it. It was so cute. And then she even stopped by to pick up her favorite imported tequila as a birthday gift to Jean. Like, oh, this is going to be such a fun girls night. So she gets there around 830 p.m. And from what we can tell, like there's pictures and videos from the party. She looks like she has known these girls, these women for all of her life. Like mm-hmm. she just looks like she fits right in. There's this one picture that I just can't not get out of my head now she's like sitting on the couch with them and she's like in the middle and it just looks god it looks fun and so she calls her husband around 10 p.m and she's like just in a really good mood like her husband just remembers that she seems really happy to be there and he she even told lee her husband that you know finally she's getting some girl time because she's used to having six boys at home like she was teasing him about it and then even later closer to midnight she actually facetimed all of her kids like she facetimed her sons but specifically she facetimed her stepdaughter because she was like pregnant at that time and so she was literally showing her kids off to these new moms that she just met she was like look look my stepdaughter's pregnant like look at her belly and everyone's like nice to meet you like we've heard good things you know like so freaking cute they played cards against humanity and then the rest of the night is kind of a mystery right like we have the idea that they were drinking we have the idea that there was some um smoking involved we know that there was definitely cigarettes being smoked some marijuana and now this is where everything gets mysterious okay now i do want to say something you want to know what else is mysterious that's really a horrendous segue i apologize i'm so sorry okay speaking of pregnant people i am obsessed with modern fertility i need to know things you know like i'm one of these people where like curiosity gets the best of me that's why i think i love true crime like i just want to know everything and the one thing about my own body that has always been like this weird mystery universe was fertility like people just tell you hey Time's a click in a way. And you're like, what does that even mean? There's so much to fertility. That's just a complete mystery. And that's where modern fertility hormone test comes in. Think of your fertility hormones as tiny little detectives, literally crime. Okay. They can bring you tons of insight into your egg count, your reproductive timeline, and even possible outcomes for egg freezing and IVF. Literally everything you need to know to get proactive about your fertility, you can find out by taking their test. I love the fact that you can do it in the comfort of your home. It's a simple finger prick. And like, I'm usually so scared 
tired of stuff like that, but it was completely painless. It's easy and it's affordable. So like with a traditional test, when you go to your doctor, it can cost over a thousand dollars, but modern fertility only costs $159 to get the same exact information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash rotten, you can actually get $20 off your test right now. And if you're like, listen, I need to talk to someone. You can talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results with you and your options for your next steps. Also, side note, if you have HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on modern fertility. So if you guys want kids today or maybe one day in the future, you need all of this information to make that decision for what's best for you. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash rotten. That means your test is going to cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Slash rotten. So what else happened at that party, right? This is the part where you're going to get a little bit annoyed. Everyone is going to constantly say the same phrase, which is always a big red flag. In all the police interviews, the amount of times I read in a transcript, oh, she's the only one that smokes. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to piss you off, okay? Wait, say that one more time. Who is it? Everyone. Everyone at the party later is just going to constantly say, oh, Tamla's the only one that smokes. Like, you know, the cigarettes weed literally whatever they want her to i guess so um yeah so they said that she smoked a joint on the balcony and got high off of marijuana everyone except for one woman said oh i've never even smoked in my life you know like it's just weird like it's it almost looks like they're framing her to look bad and i'm not saying this as like a hypersensitive like person but i'm literally saying it as someone who has read through hundreds of pages of transcripts of these interviews like it's just really weird like okay we get it like you're so cool and innocent and pure and you've like never done anything bad in your life like it's just weird like i get it that weed is not legal in georgia but also at the same time like you're doing too much because most of the time they were even just talking about cigarettes and they would just be like well she's the only one that smokes so then jean tells the police that um this is also weird that she hated the present that tam brought she said that the smell of tequila made her throw up in her mouth so she just told her that like oh you drink it like i'm not really into it and so tam opened up the bottle and offered shots to everyone and like i guess you know tamla was like the only one really drinking it is kind of how it was phrased by jean like oh i hated it it was nasty it was smelly like who says that i'm sorry like if if someone brings me a bottle of tequila for my birthday i could be like oh like do you mind if we all drink it together like that's what i would say if i don't love tequila so do you think she's saying that because she's trying to emphasize that she's not intoxicated yeah and then she's no i think she's doing it more to emphasize that tamla is so intoxicated so smoky you know like just like okay we got it but also like these are some small details that literally just keep it to yourself what what happened to southern hospitality you know what happened there she was just like the smell made me throw up in my mouth and so um yeah tam did what you do at adult slumber parties which is drink i feel like a lot of people bring that up a lot and say well obviously the murder was not a murder and it was an accident so everything's alleged you know right now but they're like no it's clearly an accident because she was drunk um nobody at the party said that tam was out of control at all not one person most people said that 
yeah we saw her drinking a lot but like she could hold her liquor because she didn't even appear that drunk like she was still functioning normally she wasn't slurring her words she yeah. wasn't like um f- falling she wasn't like stumbling ap- around like she appeared buzzed at most is literally what everyone said on the other hand there was a woman uh, that was named jennifer and she had to be carried into bed because she was so drunk how many people were there there was i think nine women in total and the two men yeah and so it was just kind of like you know she didn't really seem that drunk now everyone else slowly started going to sleep and one by one they would either leave the house so i think there was about four women who went back home and the rest of the women they found guest rooms or they just like crashed in a different room and they all went to sleep right and so allegedly the last person to see tamla alive was a woman by the name of bridget and bridget was going home her husband was picking her up it was about 1 45 in the morning Mm -hmm. and bridget's husband had come to pick her up tamla walked her to the front door gave her a hug and was like oh my god it is so nice to meet you like i'm so glad that we met you're such a cool person and then closed the door afterwards and hmm. that's kind of the last we know and then so, allegedly everybody else is asleep now except for tamla allegedly and then the next morning 8 45 in the morning madeline do you guys remember her the aunt jean's aunt that's living in the basement she went upstairs and she she claimed that she was the first one awake okay everybody else was hungover. everybody was asleep right Uh so she went upstairs to make coffee and that's when she peered through the backyard window and saw some pjs peeking out through the grass like just pajama pants right and so she's like oh my god what is that and then she said she looked down and she saw tam's pjs just pjs and tam like face down face down on the grass right off of the balcony so it kind of i guess like if you really want to say it it looked like she fell from the balcony right face down motionless laying in the grass Uh so this is what she said that she did next she said that she did not start the coffee she knew who tam is yeah she met her the night before at the party and so she remembers those pjs she remembers everything and she sees her motionless laying face down in the middle of november morning like this is cold like i know people don't think georgia's cold but it's cold okay and so like she's just like oh oh no so she said that she doesn't make her coffee she got down on her knees and said a little prayer i don't know yeah like what's going through her mind she said that she just like got down on her knees and said a prayer like i don't know okay after that and then she was like oh my gosh what do i do so she ran upstairs to jean's room and that's when she said that she heard the water running so she's like oh jean's awake and taking a shower right now so then she went back downstairs and then like this is the way that she said it in her official statement and it doesn't really make sense she said so i went back downstairs because i was thinking like oh my god i shouldn't wake up maybe she's up like i think she was either talking about tam or someone and so she said so i went downstairs and she's still there i couldn't believe my eyes i was saying like inside my head she's not moving she's not moving it's just all really weird like okay but you knew that but you said a prayer like if i don't i just don't understand like maybe i'm trying to like put it together in like a crazy aunt perspective or more like a crazy grandma like maybe she thought she was like hyperventilating or like hallucinating and then so she like said a prayer like oh my god like don't let me be seeing ghosts right now Mm. and then went upstairs and then came back down i mean it's just there's honestly no way that my logical brain is like this makes sense but like 
I don't know, honestly. So then mm-hmm. she decides after checking up on Tamla again. So she at this point, she has not gone downstairs to really check up on her. Like she has not gone down to the yard to like shake her and see if she's awake or anything. Right. She's just like looked from the balcony like, oh, my God, she's right there. Right. So she goes back to Jean's room. And again, it's like around 845 a.m. And this is where everyone's story kind of gets mixed up. Jean and Jose, they were in the room together and they said that they were dead asleep. Uh-oh. But Madeline clearly heard the water running. Now, of course, Madeline is going to be like, well, I thought I heard the water running. But like water running noise is not really something that like it's not a fart. Like it's usually a continuous sound. And you you know what I'm talking about. Like when someone's showering in your house, you can kind of hear it. Maybe it's somebody else's showering, you know. But what yeah. happens when she ran back into the room? Though? Okay, so they let her in finally. Right. And that's when her aunt Madeline demands to talk to only Jose. She's like, I don't, I can't tell you, Jean. Like, I can't tell you. And so Jean is like, what's wrong with you? Like, I obviously know something's wrong. You look really, really stressed out. Like, just tell me. And so finally, Madeline says, well, your friend from the islands is down in the back. (sighs) What? Whose statement was that? Madeline. She said that. This is exactly what she said. Yeah, no, it was like all of them. So it was like said. So she said, your friend from the islands Mm-hmm. is down in the back mm-hmm. which is um yeah we get it yeah you yeah, get it it's just yeah. like she's like yeah no, no no i need i need jose to go check on her i need jose to go check on her and so they're all like okay so apparently jose puts his little pants on and this is pertinent to the story i guess so he puts his pants on then they run downstairs and when they get there nobody attempted to turn her over she was face down in the grass and when i say face down her face was not on her cheek her nose was straight on the grass. Mm-hmm. This is really important later because that's weird. Nobody attempted CPR. Nobody really checked for her pulse. Nobody really did much. So that's when um, Jose, Madeline, and Jean, they're all downstairs. They still had people in their house, but it doesn't seem like they were down there at that point. And they go to Tam, and Jose said that he touched her back to check if she was breathing, and he said that she wasn't breathing. Mm -hmm. And then he tried to move her leg. That's what he said. Like, that was the first thing he wanted to do, was, like, move her leg. I don't know if he was trying to move it to flip her over, but he just kept saying that her leg was completely stiff. Now, this is going to come into play later, because that would mean that she's in rigor mortis, which is the third stage of death, which is before decomp. It happens maybe about, I mean, depending on the circumstances, maybe anywhere between, from what I can tell from my online research, right, is from three to hours after you die, your body becomes incredibly stiff. Mm. Like to the point where um, at the height of it, depending on, you know, each person but at the height of it like it could be impossible to even bend your arm Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. nobody could bend it even with extreme force like it would be really difficult and so he said that you know it seemed like he couldn't bend her leg it was just completely stiff so at 8 59 p.m there was a call placed to 911 59 p.m or a.m i'm so sorry i'm so sorry 8 59 a.m they called Mm 911 so there are some rumors out there that have some questions about the timing of this because that night also happened to be daylight savings time so oh, that's um, so confusing yeah so some people for some reason there is kind of like this rumor circulating that they waited an hour before calling 911 but it doesn't seem like that like they were able to somehow corroborate between text messages and different like little things the police mm-hmm. said that they don't think that the three of them waited an hour but there was just a rumor because they were you know with daylight, daylight savings saving, it yeah. just got really hectic and so um yeah so they call 911 and Jean is the one who talks to the operator first oh. I've got a lot of pickles to pick with this operator. I don't know. I do not like this operator. If I were to call 911, 
well, I'm not going to say anything, but um, I just don't like her. So then she like tells, you know, the 911 operator about the party and everything. And then she's like, yeah, like most of us went to bed. We were drinking. It was really late. And then one of them stayed on the balcony and she was drinking. And I just feel like it's a little weird. So the whole 911 call. OK, I get it like the first two seconds, right? I get it. Maybe you're in shock. But the whole time, Jean and Jose, like just don't really talk about Tamla the way that you would expect them to. Like they barely say her name. They're just always like, yeah, one of them stayed out on the balcony. What? Yeah, like it's just like if you hear the 911 call, it's just really weird. I get it that they weren't close, but it's still odd. It just feels kind of disrespectful almost. I just can't imagine someone being in my house and then me just being like, anyway, so like one of them. You heard the, the you heard the call? Yeah. And it's just a little odd. So she was like, yeah, one of them stayed out on the balcony. And I guess she was just like drinking. And I think maybe she like fell off. So that was she just kept suggesting to the operator that Tam had fallen off the balcony. Right. Which I mean, I get it, but I don't. I right? don't get it. Yeah. Like I get I've it never, in this ever <laughs> even heard of anybody fall off a balcony. Yeah willy-nilly yeah and neither have i but then like i get why maybe she said it because she was placed underneath the balcony right Mm -hmm. like right under but i also think it's kind of weird like i think i would just be in like freak out zone but again i guess everyone reacts differently so then she just like hands the phone off to jose Mm -hmm. and jose starts talking and then this is where oh my gosh you're gonna get so mad he starts saying things like oh i'm noticing a small cut on her wrist what And then he also says, I don't know if the cut was self-inflicted. By the way, the autopsy will show that she had a one-inch laceration on her wrist. A one-inch laceration. That is not a suicide attempt. That is not self-inflicted. I mean, even if it was, it was probably not with suicidal attempts, okay? Mm -hmm. It was probably like, oh, I accidentally cut myself, right? And so the fact that he even brought it up was really alarming to a lot of people. It's just like what like that's Mm -hmm. you literally have someone in your backyard or your girlfriend's backyard and you want to talk about like a small little cut on her wrist and so obviously the operator is like okay well you know what's going on with the body like is she moving and he's like oh she's not moving one bit she's not breathing she's completely stiff she's face down in the yard right Mm -hmm. and then he brings up the cut and so it's almost like they're all suggesting to the operator so Jean's suggestion was that she was drinking probably fell off the balcony now Jose is suggesting that like she maybe slit her wrist and willy-nilly jumped off the balcony like is this suicide it was so much so that the dispatch even asked if she was having suicidal thoughts like do you know if this person was suicidal at all like that's what they asked which again is just really weird yeah so i mean my concern is why are you guys theorizing about what happened without performing cpr without even figuring out what like if she's alive like i wouldn't automatically be like how did this person die i would be like is this person dead can we try to not like what can we do but they're like yeah so i think maybe it's this the 911 dispatcher never recommended that they do cpr Mm -hmm. um it was just never brought up and i don't know why is it because they have ruled it completely she's you know way past the stage no because um that's the thing they almost always do that unless it's a very specific set of circumstances because like untrained eyes there's no way to tell Mm. so you would do it just in case got it maybe it's like the weakest pulse ever that we don't know how to detect because we're not in the medical field but by the time ems gets there maybe we could have saved someone's life so they always recommend it i mean it's just strange i think it's strange and so the dispatch again asked if she's moving or breathing Mm -hmm. and he just like 
okay, this is the part where it gets confusing. The 911 call goes silent for about 20 seconds. It hasn't been released if it was redacted, uh, meaning that the police decided to take out 20 seconds of this conversation before they released it to the public, or if Jose muted the phone for 20 seconds. But it's complete silence. What was the question? She asked if she's moving or breathing. And there was like 20 seconds of just fucking silence not even like them like doing something in the phones not like you can't hear anything it's like when someone mutes you is like you don't even moving or breathing breathing yeah. and then silent yeah i mean it's gotta be muted right if it's 100 yeah. silent yeah i mean well it could have been redacted is what i'm saying like they could have the police could have taken it out for confidential information or whatever oh, right either way sounds either shady way, as weird. hell yeah and so either way really weird and then he just you know gets back on the phone and he's like no no no, i like have completely no idea so first it went from jose saying oh she's completely not moving completely this to i completely have no idea if she's breathing what? and it's just like okay so this is just a little bit weird so like, after 20 seconds he responds yeah with like oh. she's like i completely don't know what? yeah like he's that, just there's like, a change there's yeah. a shift it's that's why people think it was muted people think it, he muted it and there was a very brisk brief conversation between him and jean and oh. then you know he unmuted it and was like suddenly like oh i completely have no idea how would i know such a thing you know okay very very odd and so he kept saying like she was the last one to fall asleep she was in the kitchen she was in the kitchen and then um he also th they asked about the railing right the mm -hmm. balcony because they want to know and yeah. the weirdest way that he responded was oh i'm suspecting that she fell about 20 feet if her feet were standing on the railing so again, that sounds like suicide. If you fall off a railing, your feet would never be on the railing. If you fall, your balance yeah, has tip tipped over, over. Yeah. but your feet would not be on. So he's like calculating her height. And then like if her feet were on the railing, then what's the fall? Like it just doesn't. That's so insane. Weird phrasing, right? No, no, no. That's what? not even. Yeah, that's weird phrasing. He's already made up a whole scenario yeah. that she jumped off from the railing. And I don't think anybody see a scene will make up such a elaborate story when you know yeah. someone doesn't even have any alarming suicidal thoughts or yeah. actions. Why would you think that she jump off the railing? Why would he mm -hmm. assume something like that? It's uh, That's so weird. You know what I mean? And it gets weirder because he keeps changing his story. And then later mm. he's like, I have OCD. And it's just like, really? I don't know what's happening. Okay, it gets even weirder. Just you wait, right? Um, so this is the part where it gets like kind of confusing because it's like, why would you assume that she's jumping instead of like falling over? Like it makes more sense that she fell over because she'd be drunk and stuff. But then it'd be like, oh no, her feet, if they were on the railing, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of difficult who to blame for this. So some people think it's the dispatcher to blame. Some people think it's just Jose to blame. People are just like, Jose is kind of feels like a shit person right but then some people say it's the dispatch because a lot of you know dispatchers came forward and they were talking about things on reddit and they were saying things like you know it's you don't want to plant seeds in people's minds especially if no one's at the crime scene yet like if the responding officers haven't gotten there to say stuff like that now it's almost making everyone jump onto this like suicide what theory. did what does she say 
the dispatcher. Remember, she asked, "Do you know if she was like suicidal or oh, anything?" Oh, that question. Got it. And it's just, I mean, some people. I don't really know. I've never been a dispatch officer. So then, that's when Jose on camera says, "Well, we have cameras on the back deck to check. We will check them. We will check them." Oh. And so he said, "It would have caught the whole thing. We will check them." I don't think anyone was there with her at the time that this happened. It's hard to say if she fell from the deck or if she was already at the bottom or anything like that. But we will. Check Check them. Okay. Now, here's the crazy thing. Nobody tells him. Law enforcement, dispatch, nobody tells him. No, 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 no. Don't check it. Like, we will check it with you. Nobody oh, tells him any of that. God. And guess what? It was Don't actually. Don't tell me the camera was not. Oh, the footage was accidentally deleted. Fuck. And it was never given to law enforcement. The only piece of evidence, because all of these people, they keep changing their stories like every two fucking seconds, like the seasons. But um, no, that camera deleted the only thing that could have been actually reliable. Oh, my God. Deleted. And it was just that day. The day before, they had the whole day's worth of footage. The day after, they had all the footage. So frustrating. And Jose is... Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Just guilty. But also, side note, they're really sue happy. So be careful, babe. (laughs) What? Jose, being a kind of like a former law enforcement for Forsyth County, Uh it seems like something they would know. Like, it seems like something he would know. Know what? To not go willy-nilly, you look into your own security footage of a potential crime scene by yourself without the cops. Seems like this dude doesn't know everything. He's figuring things out in the yeah. process. Yeah, he's not that smart, I but guess. But he does seem shady. Like, he seems like he's learning some stuff. I don't know. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, and so they keep saying that she's the only smoker. You know, her cigarette and her lighter were out here. They also wait, said wait, wait, that... that's on the call? Yeah, on the call and later in reports. And then they also said that, um, like, four people were here last night and they're no longer here. So, you know, now law enforcement knows, okay, like, we need to bring these people back because they might be involved so Mm. jose says that he believes that that night tam was alone in the kitchen and she was maybe waiting for a ride or maybe waiting for the morning like that's what he said and this this is the part where i get confused like i'm like what does that mean i don't know what it means he just said waiting for the morning like waiting for a ride to come in the morning but she like drove there so like is she waiting to sober up to drive like he just said waiting for the morning or maybe waiting for a ride right now it's so weird So they also have alarm systems for their doors. So Mm -hmm. um, it's like this app that Jean has on her phone and it just notifies them every time a door is opened and closed. So the front door, the garage door and the back door. So it'll just get an alert. Front door was opened. Front door was closed. Right. Yes. And um, she's like, yeah, we can check it. We can check it. Right. Now, that was pretty much all of the important stuff that happened in the 911 call. And people were really upset about that call when it was released to the public, because first of all, Jean seemed really distant, like she barely said her name. Which, I mean, I guess you could say, like, people react to shock very differently, Stephanie. Like, you can't judge, right? But it just seemed really cold. I don't know how to describe it. It didn't seem like, oh, my God, I'm in shock. Mm. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. It was more like, yeah, she was, like, the one on the balcony. Like, just very, like, the one. Like, the others were asleep. Like, she is the only one on the balcony. Like, it's just, I don't know. Okay? Like, it's like the vibes that you get, right? But that's okay. not why people are demanding that this be looked into. It's not because the vibes trust. And um, Jose even said at one point, the one who we believe to be deceased. Which is just really elaborate. Like, you could have just said, you know, Tamla, our friend Tamla, who's on the ground. 
But he was like, the one who we believe to be deceased. Now, what? a part of me makes me feel like maybe he was like trying to be all cool and like law enforcement-y or whatever. But I, I don't know. Just strange. And Jose said at first, you know, she's completely not moving and breathing. And then he was like, oh, well, um, I have no idea. Like, I completely can't tell if she's breathing or not. So people didn't like that switch up. Like, yes. it's a little weird. Plus that little muted 20 seconds. You know, was yes. it redacted? Was it muted? Why would he mute if it was muted? Oh, people did not like the fact that the dispatch and them had a full on conversation of if Tam was suicidal. Because, again, it's like, why don't you wait for the officers to get to the scene so that they can do what they do, which is figure out if this was a homicide or not? Yeah. Because you're talking about also, a 40 year old woman who died. Yeah. It sounds like it, it's got to be muted because if police took out that sound bit, they can just cut it down, don't you right? think? Right, yeah. Yeah, that would like make out. no reason for them to leave to it To release, in. yeah. And yeah. also, I feel like, yeah. So it's got to be muted. Mm-hmm. And then also, EMS came really late. It seems like officially speaking, they were called, kind of. They weren't called? They were, but they came really late. And then the How lead late? investigator told them not to come at all what yes okay we're gonna get into that it's yeah 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 yeah. the lead investigator christian they call him officer christian or unless you're jean you call him mike because i don't know she likes to call police officers by their first names and flirt with them and so um, yeah the officer christian he arrives at around 907 a.m so this was really really fast right Uh now at that point he even recognizes jose he's like oh hey Hi, right? And he goes to Tamla's body and EMS and the fire department weren't there yet. Now, there are some reports, like some journalists are saying like they were never called. I wouldn't be surprised if they were never called. But officially speaking, I think that officially it's stated that they were called. And then later, Officer Christian had actually, you know, told them like, you don't need to come, right? What do you mean they're not called? Isn't the 911 call alarming them? Well, no. So, like, the dispatch person does all of that. So, dispatch didn't call, you are saying? That's what some people think. And it gets really weird because here's the crazy thing, right? Um, the lead investigator shows up and he's already kind of treating this as if Tam's already dead, mm-hmm. right? Which is really weird. People don't do that. Yeah. So, the investigator comes and he sees Tam face down. He said that he saw one arm up looking like it almost like braced her fall. Like, you know how you try to break your fall and you like put your arm forward? So, Mm -hmm. it looked like the arm had done that. So, there was one arm that was kind of above her head. And -hmm. there was another arm that was laying to her side. Mm -hmm. He could immediately see upon arrival that her right wrist was clearly swollen, broken, dislocated. And that was the one that was up and out in the air. And the investigator, Officer... Christian made the call that she was dead. Now, people were really upset about this because usually police don't do that because that's not the police's job because the police doesn't really have the medical knowledge to make that call. Mm -hmm. So even if you show up to a crime scene and people like have been mutilated and decapitated, usually they don't really make the call. Like, I mean, obviously they're not going to be like, hey, EMS, get here right now. We might oh, be able to save make people. But um, EMS will still come mm-hmm. and then EMS will be in charge of calling the coroner or the medical examiner. And I think by state and by county, it's a little bit different, but this seems to be overall like the overarching process, it seems, in the United States. So the police will get there first if it seems like, you know, they're the ones first. Then Mm -hmm. EMS or the fire department will come. They will Mm -hmm. either try to administer help or pronounce them dead. And then the coroner and the medical examiners will come and then, you know, take them to be autopsied. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he said it was very obvious that she was dead. 
but it's just weird. It's just okay, another so, thing that, that's right. weird, right? And so he just tells EMS not to come, <laughs> which again is weird because so even in who case, came, j- he just called the coroner. He was like, "Hey, take her body to GBI." So I mean, that's just not the investigator's job. The officer's job is to find out why and how she's dead, and you know what happened, right? The mm-hmm. EMS's job is to ter- determine if someone's dead or if they can save her, and then call the coroner. Then the coroner is to determine how she died. And then it goes back to the police. So it seems like he's like trying to do the EMS's job when he's not even going to do his own later. And so it's just really frustrating. So the body does get sent to GBI, which is called the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. And they sent it to GBI because even upon arrival, the police officer said that it was just, you know, Tam was found in a weird position. It just did not align with jumping off the balcony. She was found almost directly under the balcony, like right below the balcony railing and it just didn't make any sense and like her the way that she was laying down was weird like the way that she was face planted on the ground there was just a lot of weird things there also wasn't a pool of blood underneath her body and she landed on grass right Mm -hmm. so there was no blood stains there was really not a lot of blood at all Mm -hmm. and it's just really weird so they measured it and it's actually 14 feet fall from the railing that doesn't sound like deadly, right? It doesn't sound deadly, but it can be very deadly. Oh, really? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Also, with the whole EMS and the police thing, I'm not saying that's every single time. I think it's just a mixture of because so much went with the case was out of the norm, mm-hmm. like all these small things are feeling really big. Yeah. yeah, so it's like if it was a clear-cut case and the police really did their job, no one's going to be like... Well, how do you know that she's dead? You know, like, Mm -hmm. how do you know for sure? Right. Like no one's doing that. But it's just the fact that like it's like so many small, weird details from the start to the finish. That's just like now everything feels like a deeper meaning. Yeah. So you're going to get, you know, once we do go through the interviews and stuff, it gets really crazy. And so the police decide that they have this new hypothesis. They have this new crazy theory and they say, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't think that she fell from the top of the balcony. We don't think that she fell 14 feet. So the bottom of that basement, the backyard where she had fallen, she was really close close to the ledge of like the cement like you know how sometimes there's like cement and then it's grass like that little ledge she was so close to it and so people believe that she tripped the police believe that she tripped and they also think that when she tripped she had a seizure or maybe she was having a seizure and then she tripped so instead of falling from the balcony now the new theory was that she tripped and fell from just like standing and because she was having a seizure she couldn't really break her fall and that's why there's no blood and that's why she landed the way that she did really odd yeah so again people are wondering how did she break her wrist because you know the officer is saying upon immediate arrival he felt like her wrist was broken it was swollen it was really bad but how did she break her wrist but not her nose because she straight up face planted onto the ground and your nose like breaks in two seconds and it didn't break it didn't break her nose did not break it was just really strange. And so um, more investigators arrive at the crime scene and the party goers, they are directed to just stay in one of the rooms, right? So they're like, hey, wake everyone up, go to this room and you guys stay there, right? And they started marking everything as a crime scene. And I'm going to say the word crime scene really loosely because it doesn't seem like they really treated it like a crime scene, but that's just me. And um, they said, hey, we're going to call anyone that was here yesterday that left you know, early morning or last night. So call them all. And they decided to split the two parties up into two separate groups. So the people who left early, they were left outside on the front lawn. 
And then the people who were, have been there the whole time, they were left in that one room. But none of the officers were making sure that they didn't go outside and like talk to each other. So a lot of them were like still texting and calling and like talking to each other. So there was no seas of communication between the partygoers. And that's really, really fucked up. But if they're texting, isn't there a record then? Yes, but a lot of it was done in person. Mm. So it's like they're getting their stories straight. And it's going to get bad. So then the door security app. So, you know, Jose keeps reminding officers like, hey, I've got this door security app. You know, Jean's got it on her phone. You guys want it right now? You guys want it right now? And um, again, this is one of those situations where it's so smart. Now, I can't say that these people are guilty of murder or anything like that or even manslaughter or really anything. Right. But I can say that. I feel like personally, they know a lot more than they're leading on. And this part feels really smart to me. The part where they're acting like they're just so eager to help. That they're just so open. Hey, mi casa su casa, right? You want to you wanna get on my app that tells me when the doors have opened? Oh, let me tell you my password, right? Mm-hmm. But it's really not helpful. It's a really good way to look like you're helpful, but you're not actually helpful. Because a door opening doesn't really give anything that like the police can piece together when everyone left by using you know the times that husbands had come picked up their wives you know by using Mm -hmm. other things but door opening it doesn't tell how many people went through that door it doesn't tell how many people walked back through the door why does he want to show that so badly because he's just trying to be so helpful Oh, we want to get to the bottom of this. But what happened to that super helpful security footage? Oh, but that one, that one got accidentally deleted. You know, you know, shit happens, babe. So they're just like, let me give it to you. Let me give it to you. So the police take it. And 1.47 a.m., the front door was opened. So this aligns with Bridget saying that she left around 1.45 a.m. And her husband, you know, was able to corroborate that he picked her up. 1.49 a.m., the balcony door opens the back door and 1.50 a.m. the balcony door closes. So someone opened and closed the door, right? And then 1.57 a.m. the balcony door opens again. So seven minutes is like a pretty standard time for a smoke break. Right. But then there's no alert that it closes again. What? But here's the crazy thing. Madeline never said that the door was open when she went to go make coffee. So it's just really weird. There was no alert any time after that that said that it closed again. So it's just kind of like, okay, that's really strange. So kind of what we can gather is that, okay, so let's say that Tam was with Bridget. Bridget leaves. They close the front door. Then Tam goes out to the backyard, takes a smoke. But now here's the weird thing, okay? First of all, Madeline never mentioned the door was open. When, When did the door get closed, okay? So let's say... Tam was suicidal. So she goes out, she takes a smoke, then she opens the door, but instead of walking back in, she goes and stands on the railing and jumps to her death. Yeah, that makes zero sense. That makes no sense. So then let's say it's an accident. So people would suspect that she was smoking and she fell over or she was doing something and fell over. So then she would go and open the door. so weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like be like, oh, wait, I forgot. I should look at the floor real quick and like try to tip over. Like it just doesn't make any sense. So you open the door and then you go back out onto the balcony and then you fall off the balcony correct so again that does just just doesn't make sense so people theorize did someone else walk out onto the balcony and stop her from coming back in did someone you know push her did someone talk to like 
what happened when that door opened? Like, it doesn't make any sense. What's even creepier is there's a screenshot of her phone, Jean's phone, of the notification of the back door opening, right? But in that same one, 1.39 a.m., the garage door was opened. 1.40 a.m., the garage door was closed. 1.40 a.m., the garage door opened, and there's no notification that the door was closed. So, like, was the garage door just open most of the night? 140? Yeah, like when did the garage door close? Like we don't have confirmation of that time. Why is the garage door I open? I don't know. So Bridget said she went out the front door. I don't know why the garage is open. And Bridget said that it was just her and Tam and everyone else had fallen asleep. And that's what everyone else says. Everyone's like, we fell asleep. See, okay, hear me out, okay? Yeah. If she walks out into the balcony, she yeah. opens the door, takes a small break, right? She closed the door right behind her. Mm-hmm. So... She has a habit of closing doors. Mm -hmm. If she opens the door again, she's the last one who opened it trying to walk in. Then she will for sure close it behind her. And the time of death was around that time. So either she opens it and something happens right then and there that she didn't have the chance to close it. Or somebody else opens it. And went out onto the balcony. Yeah, because if she comes back in, she will for sure close it. So there must be another person. Or did someone go through the garage, out of the house, meet her in the backyard, open it to enter the house again and never closed it? No, 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 no. You have to climb up the balcony, honey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, well, no. Well, there's no. stairs, no? Yeah. yeah, but also, am I the GBI? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> telling y'all a story. Sorry. I got a little excited there with my little... Okay, anyways. Very weird stuff, right? But the police are like, okay, well, let's grab Tamla's belongings and her car and drive it to her family's house to return the car, obviously, and her belongings and let them know that Tam is not coming home, oh right? And it seems like this... I can't a thousand percent say that this is true, but there's no evidence that they treated the house like a crime scene after this incident. After the police left, it seems like Jean still stayed there afterwards. It seems like the partygoers were just told not to talk to each other about it, but mm-hmm. it seems like people were coming in and out of that house. Mm-hmm. Like even Tamla's husband was even there at one point. So there was no preservation of a crime scene. There was no looking for evidence. It was just like, oh, like, let's send her to get autopsied. Oh, let's just take a quick statement. Also, none of the statements that were taken at that time, they were written into officers reports, mm-hmm. but they weren't official statements. The official statements of all of the witnesses, potential witnesses were taken weeks after the death. So what are those chit-chat? What is that? Like, it just seems like some chit-chat. Like, I don't know why they didn't take everyone's official statements because that would give you a clear idea of, like, nothing's matching up. Like, people don't have their stories straight. Like, everyone's got a different story and none of the timelines are messing up. Like, that's the easiest way because it's so fresh. And now if you question anyone's timeline, people could be like, that was weeks ago. Like, I don't remember, you know? And, um, yeah, so all the partygoers would still keep in contact and they would talk about that night. And it was just not handled well. And so in ter- in terms of Tamla's actual belongings, so she had a pink duffel bag. Inside of that duffel bag was like a smaller bag. I'm maybe thinking that's con- like a purse, right? And inside that purse, there was a tiny bit of weed inside. A lot of people emphasize this to make her look bad. It's a little bit of weed. Calm down, right? Calm your tits. Um, They also took an alcohol bottle, the one that she was gifting to Jean, and it was about one-eighth full. Now, here's the confusing thing. There is no way to indicate if she drank that all by herself, and I couldn't find the size of the alcohol bottle anywhere, so I couldn't tell if it was like a big-ass party size or like a smaller bottle. don't they examine her body? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She did drink a lot, but, you know, 
people kind of made it seem like she was the only one that drank that tequila uh, bottle. Like she uh. drank it all, right? And um, her jacket was left. Now, this is where her family is really upset. Mm-hmm. Remember what I said about her being from the Caribbean? She goes out for a smoke mm-hmm. November in Georgia. It was like 30 degrees that night. She just leaves her jacket inside. She yeah. doesn't take it out to go. S- she was found in her PJs, her onesie. She wasn't found wearing her jacket. And her jacket was not in like a room. It wasn't in like a guest room upstairs. It was like near the couch. So it was fairly close to where the balcony is. Like, I don't know the exact floor plan, but it was on the main floor. So they found her jacket with her purse and it was on the main floor. So why didn't she wear it to go out and take a smoke? If that's what everyone's implying. Um, The running joke in her family is that she would wear a jacket inside the house in Georgia, even during the winters, because like it gets cold. So people are just like, what? So the police drive the Tamla's car back to her family's house and they alert the family that she has passed. Now, the whole family is like a million times suspicious. Like they're a thousand percent like this is fucking weird. Like she's not suicidal. Well, I mean, she can handle her liquor. Like, what are you saying? She fell off of a balcony after taking a smoke without her jacket on? Like family knows family. They're just like, what are you talking about? Like that? Yeah. yeah okay. Theoretically, if you just like say it like that, it makes sense. But it doesn't make sense because everyone's different and Tamla would never do that. Yes. Here's one thing that you need to know about me. I like weird stuff sometimes. And sometimes I will look at something online. I will order it. And it will be so weird that when it gets to my door, I'm like, wow, why did I do that to myself? And recently I found these pair of glasses on Warby Parker and it's called the Butler glasses. It's a weird pair of glasses. Okay, so I saw it. It's in this color teal tortoise. It's got like all these like different colors involved. It's just really funky fresh. And so I was like, what do I do? I don't necessarily want to go outside just to try on some glasses right now. And so that's why. I was like, you know what? I've heard that Warby Parker, you can literally just get a home try-on kit and you can pick like five of your favorite glasses on their website and have them shipped to your house so that you can try all of them on. And that's exactly what I did. And I was like, you know what? I am so glad because I ended up loving a different pair even more. And those were even funkier. (laughs) Warby Parker, if you guys don't know them, they are committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores. So they have eyeglasses. They've got sunglasses. They even do eye exams inside of their locations which is amazing you can also get contact lenses from them glasses start at 95 dollars, including a prescription lens sunglasses progressives and blue light lenses they sell all of those and the quality of them is amazing i'm usually kind of picky with my glasses because i like them to sit very nicely like i've got a kind of flat nose can i say that <laughs> so it's a completely free home try on program you order five pairs of glasses to try on at the comfort of your home for free for five days there's literally no obligation to buy so if you hate all five of them you're like i'm gonna send them back if you guys are interested you can try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash run but you can also save 15 percent off when you purchase two or more pairs of warby parker prescription eyewear which includes eyeglasses and or sunglasses this is a limited time offer only right now and that's at warbyparker.com slash rotten So then immediately Tam's dad is like, well, I'm going to go to the sheriff's office because nothing's making sense. So the next morning he shows up at the sheriff's office and he's just like, no, I just don't understand because she wasn't wearing her jacket. And he also says that she has this really big pet peeve for going outside without shoes on and like she doesn't like it when her socks get wet and stuff. 
and, and she, she was just wearing her socks and she wasn't wearing her shoes now balconies i mean they can get wet they can get dirty they can get pretty nasty and like it sounds really dumb because of course you're gonna be like well you know it sounds like a lot of work to like go to the front door get your shoes go to the back like maybe she was just like having a good time because like she's a partying and stuff right but i mean when people know you people know you like it's like me with like i refuse to talk in the morning without brushing my teeth it would it would take a lot for me to talk like my fiance is not going to be like oh maybe she just like really wanted to tell like a podcast like right now right when she woke up without brushing like it's just people know you so there is the um you know the alternative that people are saying well maybe she was drunk so it raised her body temperature so she didn't feel hot at all but when you're talking about someone from like the caribbean in florida who like really hates the cold i just can't really and she was like a tiny petite woman and so he was like okay well can i see some like crime scene photos because i want to see how like my daughter fell right and so the officer had showed him some crime scene photos and the dad is immediately like there's like no blood anywhere like i just don't understand and so the officers are like yeah like that's why they we sent her body to the gbi right otherwise we would have just sent it to our like coroner's office Mm -hmm. and they told him about the theory about how like she probably didn't fall from the balcony and she probably tripped on like the little ledge of the landscaping and then had a seizure or like had a seizure and then tripped or like you get it like a small trip and so they were like well we won't know until the autopsy results come back in and then the results come back in and it makes things even more confusing you're like okay finally we're gonna get some clarity no we're not so toxicology reports show that her blood alcohol level was 0.24 0.24 which is three times the legal drinking amount so um this is pretty high so if i had that legal like that limit of alcohol in my blood like i'd be blacked out like i'd be drunk i'd be slurring and i'd probably be like you know dizzy and shit but also everyone has a very different tolerance yeah. and nobody at the party said that she was slurring nobody at the party said that she was tripping around or like acting drunk so that mm-hmm. that's a little kind of a little weird so i don't know necessarily i know a lot of the times like when i see people commenting on this case they're like oh that's a crazy amount like if you google it it'll say that you lose your motor functions you start to feel sick like your body starts reacting like this but i've seen some people down some shit okay like so i really think it depends now there also was evidence of weed and xanax in her system so the xanax is very interesting because i feel like we all knew that she was smoking weed not a big deal right Okay, well, I don't want to encourage people to smoke weed, but like you get it. It's not the end of the world. So um, she did have a little bit of Xanax in her system and it was a really small amount. So she does not have a prescription for Xanax. There were no pill bottles in her possession. She had no pills in general in her possession. She had no bottles in general in her possession that could have Xanax. Like she didn't have like those, you know, little pill packets or anything. And so anyone who knew her said that she didn't take Xanax at all. And so there's a speculation for such a small amount of Xanax sounds like something that was slipped into a drink it was such a small amount it didn't seem like she took it like someone was like hey you want to try this like it was such a small amount that's a speculation like medically speaking i don't know like i mean i could totally ask my pharmacist sister and get back to you and like look at the toxicology reports and see like exactly how much was there and i don't know how it works like does it wear off you know within a couple of hours but people were saying it just didn't seem like enough that she took it like oh let me pop this pill to have fun Mm. so like that's where people are like wow that's a really small amount now her right wrist was broken 
she did have a one inch laceration on the inside of her wrist, which was the part where he was speculating, was it self-inflicted? He doesn't know, right? No one asked you, Jose, first of all. And so um, it's kind of hard to say if the bone had protruded out of her wrist when it broke and that's why she had a small laceration or if it was a separate injury. injury. So I'm not sure if like she broke her wrist, but also there was a cut in her wrist or like it happened with the fall. So other injuries. She's got lacerations on her left arm. She's got bruises and lacerations on her fingers specifically her thumb and her pointer finger and the shins of her legs she had severe injuries to her head she had um, bleeding inside of her brain she had neck injuries as well as torso injuries she did have very superficial injuries as well so she had small little cuts on her forehead her chin above her left eye the bridge of her nose the right temple this is a little weird because she was found with her nose straight into the ground pretty much but it, th- like those kind of superficial injuries feels like it would happen more if she kind of like fell and then dragged her head a little bit i mean i can't really speculate but it just people think it's odd mm. she also had a c2 fracture which um a c2 fracture is very it's almost like when you get internally decapitated what it's like when you're you fracture the bones that's like literally connecting from your head to your neck. And the way that it usually happens is if your head snaps up and then back really quick. So up and then back. So it could be consistent with someone landing really forcefully on their chin to the point where it would fracture your C2. Mm. But apparently it's not a really common, common thing. Okay. Now, she also had um, like injuries to the right ventricle of her heart. So this, again, is very consistent with like um, serious blunt force trauma, usually in car crashes is from what I can Google. Like usually people will have this if they're in like major car crashes. Mm-hmm. But it's weird because like none of her ribs were broken. Like it just is really odd. Like people were saying it's just a very misfitting injury. It just didn't make sense to a lot of people. Now, another thing that really didn't make sense even more so than that is that the medical examiner said that no facial bones were broken. So if you slam your face that hard into the ground, your teeth usually get shattered or falls off or like something happens to your teeth. OK, like your teeth aren't just going to be like, hee hee, look at me. I'm so cute still. Right. Um, there's usually stuff that happens with your tongue. And typically this is very common in falling injuries. You bite your tongue. Mm. There's usually some damage on your tongue. That's like a human thing for some reason to bite your freaking tongue. Mm. There's usually stuff happening in your nasal cavity, but there was pretty much like no damage in any of those areas. So the coroner decided that the cause of death was was multiple blunt force injuries attributed to a fall from a great height. They did not believe that she had tripped and fell from the landscaping ledge on the bottom floor. They believed that this could only be done from a fall from a great height. Now, there's differing opinions on this autopsy results. The first one being that there's a group of people who believe that her injuries are way too severe. They're like 14 feet. Like what? That's really intense. Like you don't you think someone like did these blunt force trauma injuries on her like and then just kind of like pushed her off because it just seemed really intense. A lot of people said this is this is too many injuries for a 14 foot fall. Right mm-hmm. now, there were a lot of um from the Reddit thread that I saw. There were a lot of like medical people. Mm-hmm. Well, they claim to be. And they said it's not too uncommon. They said you, you'd be surprised at how even short falls can really, really damage people. 
So I, I'm not really in that group. Uh, the group that I'm in is that these aren't really, you don't, you don't have the expected injuries that you expect someone to have. So like, it's weird because all of the other injuries, it makes sense. Like I can even see where like the C2 was fractured because like maybe she hit her chin and then it caused it to go up. She did land face down, right? If that's yeah. what happened, like I can see all of those, but I also don't understand how her nose wasn't broken. I don't understand how her lips not busted. There was no evidence of blood or bleeding inside of her mouth like she didn't bite her tongue like nothing happened to her teeth like that part to me is just weird like you're telling me she fell 14 feet straight onto her face then what could be the trauma then if she didn't fall to I don't death know. right what other trauma can cause this kind of damage so we'll get into it but it gets a little weird again with c2 vertebrae injuries from later like, i don't know shit about shit okay <laughs> i don't know anything about the medical field i don't know anything about my bod from what i can see it makes sense that the tongue usually would be bitten with something as severe as like a c2 vertebrae injury it just it's weird it's so weird like there's no chipped teeth but here's what's even weirder there's no foreign matter in her mouth in her nose like anywhere no dirt no grass Okay. So that's a little weird too for me. I mean, just all of it's weird. Now, here's what's suspicious about the autopsy. Number one, that like the injuries are all suspicious. It's all weird. You know, nobody's like 100% like, ah, yeah, no, I feel good about this one, right? Mm -hmm. And then number two is that no photos were taken during the autopsy, which is not normal at all. So autopsy photos, I feel like in the true crime world, we don't really talk too much about them because we don't really, they're not really released to the public. A lot of the times they are shown to juries mm. to show like, hey, these are the injuries. Like they essentially take photos because that's the evidence for the findings. You can't say that she had a laceration on her right wrist and then people people just like take your word for it usually all medical examiners will take a picture of that laceration on her right wrist to put into the file yeah but the, no photos were taken this is so weird to the point where people people are saying that the only reason a medical examiner or a coroner would not take photos is because they were strictly told not to it's not someone's like oh i'm just old school i don't take photos is that even legal not to take photos is what i don't understand yeah like right? people are just like what none of that makes sense yeah none of that makes sense but like they were just like nope there's no for photos why yeah exactly why <laughs> th th they have not given an answer to that <laughs> okay so like i can't think of any reason at all other than they just want you to take their word for it i think those photos would have shown people oh that looks weird like that doesn't look like something that would happen with a fall from a balcony but okay. now because we don't know all of these crazy technical terms we could just be like oh no it makes sense to like hurt your chest and like you know get a little mm -hmm. superficial wound here like what does that even mean right like mm -hmm. i want to see photos you know mm -hmm. like i feel like that really shows like i'm not saying it should be released to the public but like this should be something that's done but it wasn't done so that's really frustrating okay really frustrating and then let's talk about the falls so a lot of people were debating this to fall is to lose balance yes like can we all mm -hmm. agree on that right yeah. how high is the balcony 14 feet no 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 the railing ah, ah. three and a half feet and tamla was five and one inch that's insane so pete most of her body weight was uh -huh. under the railing yeah so to fall is to lose balance. So yeah. what they say is that usually... And um, woman's balance is 
points lower than men, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They said that um, you fall with like three consistent ways that people have seen, right? The first consistent way is to fall on your feet. And this is really rare. The only time people fall on their feet is with intentional jumping, whether it's suicidal or jumping off a cliff because you want to go cliff jumping right Mm. um you fall on your feet or the second thing is to fall on your sides this is like the most common if you are falling from a 14 story building you will probably land on your side i guess there's like something like studies show that like you try to move your body in a certain way as you're falling to try to like protect Mm. yourself i guess so a lot Mm. of people fall on their sides and then they might after they fall like tip to their back or tip to their front and then another thing is to fall head first like head bump the ground because you've just been tipped over falls from one to two stories they're a little different because you usually fall head first because it's usually a loss of balance and mm-hmm. you don't have enough time to reposition yourself to fall on your sides mm-hmm. whereas if you were to fall off like a 10 10 story balcony you could position yourself while you're falling right right and so that would mean that there would be extensive skull fractures now tamla had problems like not problems, but she had injuries to her brain. She did have like brain bleeding, but she didn't have insane skull fractures. Mm-hmm. So people thought that was weird. Yeah. And her weight distribution is all under the railing. And even when the police went up to the railing, they said that she would really, really have to lean over and they yeah. were taller than her. Like you'd have to really lean over to feel like, oh, 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 like why would she be leaning over in the first place? Someone's calling her at the bottom. Okay, okay, don't freak me out. Okay, so the first theory of leaning over in the first place was Uh that maybe she was leaning over to vomit because she had been drinking, but there was no vomit found below. Uh Uh-huh, okay. There's also no reports that there was vomit inside her, like, lungs and her throat because I'm assuming if she was literally right about to vomit and she leaned over and then she fell, like, that that would have been something that the autopsy would have noted. Uh-huh. But there was, I couldn't find any of that. Uh So that was kind of the first thing. The second thing was, like, she dropped something and she tried to lean over, but that doesn't make any sense. Like, But nothing, there's nothing, Yeah, there was nothing found, but also, like, if you drop something off a first-story railing, you're not going to try to, like, pinky it up with your fingers like you can't reach it like you know you can't reach it that doesn't make any sense so then the official statements this is where it gets even weirder you thought it was weird but it gets weirder up until this point i was still like you know what this is the police you know this is them fucking up the investigation honestly they could do way better but i can kind of see how this could be ruled an accident right Mm -hmm. until the official statements and then i was just like no like no Okay. So the official statements were not given by any of the witnesses until weeks after the death. That immediately is cool, not cool. And then the second thing that's really not cool is they weren't done at the police station. They weren't done at the sheriff's office. They were done at Jean's house. They just like, they were like, hey, Jean's friends, you want to come over to our house and we'll just like interview you? And I don't like that because I wish there was, um, like, we have transcripts of everything. But I really wish they were just, like, interrogated. I don't know why. I just feel like if there was some pressure on them with mm-hmm. that many people involved, if there was pressure, I feel like we could get to, mm-hmm. if there is something being hidden, we can find what's hidden. Mm-hmm. But there was no pressure. They were just like, let's meet at Jean's house. It'll be fun, they said, right? Mm-hmm. And so the one thing that everyone keeps saying in their transcripts is that, yeah, well, she's the only smoker. And the same phrase is used. And I don't like that. Like, it's weird. It's confusing. I mean, it's one thing to be like, oh, I don't really smoke. So they were like smoking or like, oh, I don't really smoke. She was out smoking or to be like, oh, I think she went to go smoke. But to constantly say, well, she was the only smoker. So she went out to smoke. It was just odd, That's right? That's really odd. Now, there are alleged reports that there were two kinds of lighters and cigarettes found on the balcony different brands 
So two lighters and two different brands of cigarettes. What does that mean? Like, was Tamla just like, oh, no, I like to mix and match. Like, I like to try different things. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I've been friends with cigarette smokers. And by the way, Tamla was not a habitual cigarette smoker. Um, she was what people called like a social smoker. Like, she would smoke and drink sometimes, but never like she it didn't seem like she was like crazy into smoking, which I don't know why that would even matter in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just think that's weird. Usually people stick to their brand, yeah, especially yeah. when it comes to smoking. And so that was a report. I can't find it in the official documents, but um, a lot of people have reported it. So I feel like it might be true. Now, the question is, if there were that many different cigarette butts, right? Mm-hmm. There would be DNA all over them. So why don't the police just test the DNA? Maybe the police are like, what's the point in testing the DNA? But I feel like it's kind of could be interesting because we could see who maybe was smoking with Tamla. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. did she have a smoke buddy? Of course. Right. But again, I don't know if there even was two kinds of cigarettes because I couldn't find it in the official report. But if you guys can find it, I mean, it's a it's a behemoth. There's like five, six hundred pages released that are officially released or whatever. So it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can find it, let me know. Now, the friends also reported some of them said that they had actually taken Tamla's phone and her keys. So the police were like, why did you take her phone? And why did you take her keys? And they were like, well, she wanted to leave. And we were like, oh, my God, like, you're so drunk. You can't drive right now. You're going to hurt yourself. So we were trying to protect her like the good friends that we are. And so um, we took her keys. Now, here's what's weird. Why did you take her phone? Because she if she really wanted to leave, she could have called her husband. She could have called an Uber like it's 2018. Mm-hmm. Why did you take her phone? Like the key thing? I respect it. Wait, wait. Wasn't the stuff just in the counter? Yeah, they said they had taken away away from her briefly. And so they were like, yeah, she kept wanting to go home. Now, there's a couple things weird about this. First thing, why did you take her phone? She could have called her husband, gotten an Uber. Second thing, fine, take her keys. That one, I have nothing to argue with, right? Mm -hmm. The third thing is, why did she want to leave? Like, she was really excited for this slumber party. What made her want to leave? Did something happen that suddenly she wanted to leave? Was she uncomfortable for some reason? Mm. Why did she even want to leave in the first place? I mean, sure, you could be like, well, she probably just, like, missed her kids, right? But Mm -hmm. it's just weird, especially because later, Jean is going to talk about how, like, Tam is, like, such a party girl and, like, just wanted to stay up all night because she was having, like, the time of her life. And it's just, like, she wanted to leave at one point. Like, that doesn't make sense. So everyone agrees to the fact that Tam wanted to leave at one point in the night whether it was earlier or later i can't really get like the nobody really has like a time point but everyone just says at one point in the evening she wanted to leave and they said you you drank too much and they wouldn't let her leave now a bunch of the party people also said that they woke up in the morning and started cleaning up which is weird because Madeline said that she was the first person up in the morning, mm. but now everyone's just cleaning, conveniently cleaning a potential crime scene in the morning. Like it, mm. It's just weird, right? Yeah. And so that was very, very odd. Then people kept saying that she like constantly went out to smoke and like sometimes the police wouldn't even ask questions about it and they would just like bring it up in their transcripts and it's just really weird. Now, another party goer had reportedly told the police and I couldn't find this in the official transcripts. So maybe it happened, you know, just like off the off the transcript, like just an incident report. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the party goers reportedly had said, well, I left before it went down. Now, obviously, this could be really bad wording, but I've never really used that in terms of an accident. Like I've only ever used that saying like when shit went down, like people started fighting, like shit got crazy. 
I left before it went down. Like it went down. Usually, I'm, like it's like I left the club before it went down, and then like people are like, oh yeah, they fucking fought at the club. Like I don't yeah. know. Like that's the only time I remember using stuff like that. I left before right. it went down. But a lot of people, I know, I know. It sounds like we're just like a bunch of creepy internet dudes that are like nitpicking every little thing in the air right now. But it's just like a collection of everything. If it was honestly like one thing or the other, I'd be like, okay, like 2020, people are getting crazy now you know but it's just it's weird mm-hmm. everything's weird and so madeline let's talk about her official statement because she is the one that found the body first like saw the body first right so this is jean's aunt and she said that she was the first one up in the morning she said that she was making coffee or trying to make coffee then she saw tam and she said a prayer went upstairs to wake them up but she heard the water running assumed someone was taking a shower and then this contradicts because jose and jean say that they were woken up in the middle of the their deep sleep mm. later jose will even say that he woke up early and was cleaning already and so people are like what get your story straight now in the middle of her official statement she's still saying the same shit like she, her story didn't change too much right so she's still saying the same shit she's like oh i wasn't really involved in the party like i had met everyone i had met tamla and then um i went downstairs and i had, like put my sleep machine on because it was like loud upstairs blah blah blah, blah. woke up blah, blah 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 now this is where it gets crazy this is where dunkin donuts comes in in the transcript all of a sudden, Jean walks in through the door while Madeline is getting interrogated by the police, like giving her official statement to mm-hmm. the police. Mm-hmm. And she just says, I'm going to start charging you rent to the police officer. Like, I'm going to start charging you rent because they're always at her house, I guess. Oh, my like God. Like a cutesy, flirty, hee hee ha And then Officer Christian goes, get out of my head. I don't know what that means, but like, you don't really got get much in your out head. of my head like get out of my head like you're like messing with my train of thought maybe i don't know what? and then she says this look what i just went and got y'all gift cards but then i was told i shouldn't because it would look bad to give you something before the case was closed now here's where people are really pissed and me too first of all really bold of you to assume that the case is going to get closed like really bold like i don't know like that's just weird yeah. You know, first of all, why are you even giving them things? You know, the, the it, what? So she came in at a time that this was being all recorded. But I feel like she knew. Oh, she knew. Yeah. She didn't care. I feel like she didn't care. Oh, wow. And so, like, it's just really, what the fuck? Like, why are you so nonchalant? Like, why are you going around buying gift cards right now? Like, someone died in your house, you know? I just don't understand. I mean, okay, so a lot of people argue that maybe she's just eager for the case to be closed because, yeah, I'm sure it's like your life is stressful, you're grieving, you want it to return to normal, it's really hectic, there's police everywhere all the time, it's just really bad. But if it were me, if that were my house... I'd really like to know what happened because this is my house. And if I'm innocent, I want to get to the bottom of this. Like, did one of my freaking alleged friends do this? Like, did my boyfriend do this? Like, what happened in my home? Mm-hmm. Is there a is there a missing ledge on my balcony that people just like fall off now? Like, I would like to get to the bottom of this. But she's just like, yeah, like, I'm got, I got you gift cards, you know? And then it's just like, it's weird. Like, this is a police interview. Why are you interrupting, first of all? Like, what are you doing? And then she goes on to say, I know it's like really typical because, you know, all cops, all cops love Dunkin' Donuts. And uh, the officer's just like, "Uh uh-huh. And then she's just like, anyways, do you need me? Or can I go upstairs and get ready for this funeral? 
She's talking about Tamla's funeral. She says this funeral. Oh my God. When I read that, and the officer says, go do your thing. Like, what? what? Yeah, they're way too casual about yeah. all of this. What the fuck? And then the officer just says, so anyway, and continues with the interview. And I'm just like, why are you even doing this at her home? Yeah. Why? Like, wh- what is the reason? And so then Jean's story is just a bunch of shit, too. So Jean, in the beginning, she's like, yeah, Stacy organized the party. Like, my two friends, Sarah and Nicole, they left around 10.30 p.m., right? They were the first ones to leave the party. 10.30 p.m. They did not sleep over. And now we don't even know why they left. Some reports say that they got to take care of their own kids. Some reports say they've got puppies, it's like a puppy situation. I don't know which one it is. Or maybe they're like the type of people who call their puppies their kids. I don't know. Okay. And then Tamla, she came late around 8.30 p.m. Well, so, I mean, she had seen them for a couple hours and then they left. Bridget leaves around 1.47 a.m. Her husband came to pick her up. She was the last one to see Tamla alive. Marcy leaves around 4.10 a.m. to like a weekend job. So she like has to wake up early. Paula leaves at 7.45 a.m. Tom and Stacy leave at 8.30 a.m. Like 15 minutes before I guess Madeline wakes up. So like, did they, I mean, I guess it, maybe they didn't go to the kitchen or the backyard, but it's just, yeah. So that's the timing, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Jean also goes to say that Tamla had tried to convince everyone to stay up with her, but everyone was just so tired. You know, Tam kept saying like, no, it's like finally my time being with girls. Like I live in a house full of guys, like guys, like let's stay up. And everyone was like, no, I got to wake up early. So they all went to bed. That's Jean's story, right? Mm -hmm. And she also says that Tamla has been drinking tequila the entire night. And she just kept saying that. She also said that she noticed in the morning that the bottle of tequila was not very full. So her belief is that Tamla drank it all by herself, almost the entire bottle by herself. She also kept referring to Tamla as being face planted on the ground outside the balcony. So face plant, that word is kind of important. Again, it sounds like I'm a nitpicking little beast, right? But it's just all of this combined. So face planting it's just kind of a disrespectful way of saying things, but mm, also um, mm. it insinuates that she was blackout drunk. Mm, like I see, someone yeah. eats shit because they're drunk, you know, someone face plants because they're drunk. <laughs> I see. Yeah. You know, it's all like these little small things, right? Um, there is this part that really bothered me, which is Jean even told the police that she didn't like the fact that Tamla smoked weed because, you know, Jose is in law enforcement and mm-hmm. none of them wanted to get in trouble. And they're all like law abiding citizens, except for Tamla. Right. And then she also said that she but she was nice about it. So Jean teased Tamla for being the female Bob Marley. What? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. That and the whole from the islands kind of got me a little triggered. Maybe I'm a little sensitive right now. But, like, imagine I like music and someone's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you like the female Jungkook. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Because I'm Korean and I like one thing that this other Korean person likes. And you know them because they're fa- Okay. I. That's just that okay moment right so they had a okay moment now if this is how the police handle interviews that there's transcripts for imagine how they handle the crime scene just food for thought okay the crime scene we don't really have like all of that extensive like we've got word for word transcripts or at least 
we probably do right of these interviews the crime scene i can't imagine how much they botched that right mm-hmm. so the official interview of jane it gets weird from the get-go it's weird so she said that her aunt always goes outside to adjust to atlanta weather because her aunt's not from atlanta so she said that madeline's not atlanta and she needs to go outside to like experience the atlanta weather first thing in the morning but that kind of goes against madeline saying because she said that she never went outside she just like went upstairs to make coffee and so she's saying that madeline went outside saw jean's bot or saw tam's body on the ground like she went to the balcony like not the balcony but underneath it where tam was Mm because that's she lives in the basement right Mm -hmm. and then she went back inside and then jean is saying that madeline her aunt washed her face and then prayed because she thought she was seeing things and then went back outside and then tamla was still there so then she went upstairs to wake them up Mm -hmm. but like none of that makes sense because like what she never mentioned washing her face she said that she went to go see coffee she said she saw through the window over the balcony like she never said Mm -hmm. i mean i just don't understand but then also you're saying that you were dead asleep but then she's saying that she heard you showering i mean it's just all weird right and then so she's like yeah so anyways my aunt came in she wanted to talk to jose because she said it was really bad and then when i got there i went downstairs so she's saying now they're all outside near tamla's body and she says when i got there i stayed on the gravel because i just i couldn't like she's like i couldn't go close to tamla's body right so then she claims that she handed jose the phone so that he could call 911 that doesn't make sense because she was the first person to talk to 911 and we have the proof of that like we have the mm-hmm. receipt right mm-hmm. fine whatever and then she says that jose touched tam's back which he also said he did right mm-hmm. and then she said to jose she's Mm. telling the police this i told him not to touch her but he said he had to so then he touched her back and then Mm -hmm. he tried to bend her leg and her leg wouldn't bend so then jose turned around and said rigor mortis has already set in she's gone first of all what in the fucking sherlock holmes you think this is jose like i have never i have never okay first of all i've never been in this situation but i can never imagine you walking up to someone who died possibly died on our property and going rigor mortis has already set in she's gone like what like Mm -hmm. you think you're on csi or some shit like what are you doing sir and then she said that she became hysterical at this point like oh my god right now a lot of people hate this statement like this entire thing because first of all why would you say don't touch her you guys don't know if she's dead yet if someone was laying face down on my property i'd be like can we find out what happened to them are they alive can we try to save them maybe they're just passed out maybe Mm -hmm. they're just drunk there wasn't even a lot of blood so there's no indication that this person is like bleeding to death like blood out like at this point how do they even know that she's dead you know Mm -hmm. and so that that's just really weird the fact Mm -hmm. that she lied and said oh you just gave my phone to jose and like had Mm -hmm. him call 911 that's just like a weird lie like are are you not even getting the story straight or like are you confused are you just an unreliable person i don't know right Mm -hmm. because we literally heard her talk to 911 now what's even weirder is the fact that she's claiming that jose said rigor mortis has already set in she's gone because on the 911 call he did not confirm like that like at the end he was just like oh i have completely no idea if she's breathing so it's really weird now this is the part that gets even weirder jean says that both of her arms were by her side tamla's but remember how in the beginning i told you that the officers found one of her arms up in the air to look it looked like she braced her fall so the officer is saying but when we came Mm -hmm. one of our arms is up like this correct and she said and she said no they were both by her side so then the officer is saying she's like sounds like she's like telling everything super loosely yeah 
and she then, just, like yeah. doesn't care about the facts. Yeah, and, and there's no pressure for her to. This is in the comfort of her home, and every time she says some bullshit, literally the transcript, the officer just goes right. So I'm just like, okay, that's pretty crazy. Like I've seen so many police interviews where the police are like slamming their fists down, and I'm like, whoa, what the fork? That's too much. And then this dude's just like, right, cool. So about that gift card. So then who moved her arm? Because mm-hmm. you're saying that you saw her with both of her arms by her side. But when we came, one of her arms was up and we believed that that arm was the arm that like braced her fall. And she's like, I think maybe like one of my friends was probably mistaken, but she landed with both of her arms on on her side with her poised po- toes pointed out almost. And she said that the image was burned into her mind. She said that her hands were perfectly by her side. And now this is a direct quote. This is a direct quote. I repeat because you're not going to believe me Jean says and like all my stuff is based on law and order and CSI so it's not really a good reference point but I was just shocked at how she was laying yeah like can you and then he just goes right like can you like can you imagine someone like died in your house and you're just like so anyways I just like thought it was weird because like when I watch law and order I've never seen something like that happen and then like it happened in my backyard and then I was like wow I was just shocked at how she was laying there like what are you this woman is way too comfortable Uh, like miss girl oh and by the way the whole interview she calls officer Christian Mike that's his name his first name I don't... He, she is way too comfortable for yeah. this. I just don't get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is she single? Uh-huh. Uh, well, no. She's dating oh, she's Jose. dating Jose. <laughs> 27-year-old Jose. Oh, okay. Wow. You know? And so Officer Christian had asked if Tam was the only one who smoked weed, right? This mm-hmm. is where you're going to get mad. She says, but if you're going to get me on record... Okay, let me get the quote, actually. So... Officer Christian says, okay, what? When you were talking about smoking weed, did she smoke marijuana here? And she says she did out there because I went and I fussed. Because, you know, I said, oh, speak of the devil. Can't talk now. I said, you have lost your mind. I live here because I used to tease her. I'm like, you're the female Bob Marley. And I said, you've lost your mind. Jose is down there and he would not be okay because he's in law enforcement. And don't get me in a fight over this dumb stuff. I actually think I said this dumb shit because I'm like, don't do this. And she said, oh, my God, I remember you told me that last weekend. Um, So there was a Halloween party last weekend okay and tamla was there and she had been with gene there and all of the kids were there this is going to come up later in bridget's statement and it gets freaking nuts okay (laughs) okay this is the crazy part right she starts framing tamla like she's she full-on just like she's like by the way if this is on the record let me just spread some rumors okay like super high school stuff so she says but if you're getting me on the record when you talk to other people diane or whatever when she spoke with paula this is not said to me just so you follow up like don't rat me out pretty much is what she's saying she asked paula do you know that like tomla did coke or anything else and paula said not that i know of i don't even know that she i was unaware if she even did that so that's not the only mention that i heard of it but to be honest that made my head think this made my head hurt <laughs> i'm so confused right now so what i don't know what's going so on she's pretty she, much saying like diane told paula diane told paula paula told me and paula told diane but don't tell diane and paula that i told you and diane told paula and paella told me i said paella that's food sorry and like she's just pretty much literally saying some high school shit like there's no evidence there's no proof that tamla does coke like pretty much telling a fucking police officer that she thinks 
Tamla does coke. And here's, here's, here's where she says her head thinks. First of all, (laughs) okay, this is a direct quote. Okay. So that's the only mention I heard of that. But to be honest, that made my head think. Because I'm like, well, she drank that much tequila and tequila, that's a depressant and pot is a depressant. But if you did that, talking about quote, Coke, that you could drink tequila and still be, well, you know, she always had that much energy. So I never really thought anything of it. Pretty much saying, insinuating, implying to a police officer that Tamla has so much energy raising her kids, always energetic, always like at these football games, like with so much energy and happiness and positivity because she's coked up. That's fucking crazy. That is so fucking disrespectful and... Disgusting. Listen, you're talking about tequila being a depressant you are depressing right now i'm depressed because of this entire quote like and then she even says and i don't want to speak negative about her but maybe she party a little too much which is very contradicting because you literally just said that she begged you to stay up because she never gets to go out so what is she is she a party girl that does coke all the time or is she a mom who literally is a mom 24 7 and finally got to go out for one night so she's really happy and excited this doesn't sound like a 45 year old woman yeah yep and then in the middle of the uh, the um freaking interview she gets a phone call and she picks it up and it's Mm -hmm. her friend and she's like hold on a second and she gets on the phone and she says you need to go outside and wait for the baby mama because i don't want the baby mama step foot into my house and then she tells the police officer she's talking about her ex-husband's like new wife or something like just yeah like she just sounds like whoa like what are you doing girl like just very high school shit right and then she Mm -hmm. starts flirting with the officers so she's like yeah i took photos of that that night and so the officers are like oh could you send us those photos as evidence right and the whole time she's like okay let me get your number so i can save it and then like there's multiple officers in the room and she's like okay like oh wait i don't have your number i have your number saved and then she's like okay what's your number and then they like give her the number and then she's like cool now i have you saved And then she's like, it's just weird. It's just weird. And I know it sounds like I'm laughing, but it's just so what the fork. Like, are you at like a little networking event? What are you doing? You're literally giving a statement because someone died in your house. Yeah, it's so weird. And so then at the end of the interview, the police wanted it on record that they couldn't accept gift cards because it would look weird. Again, I have so many problems with this. First of all, why didn't you tell her from the get go? Why didn't you tell her the minute that she brought it up during Madeline's interview? Oh, like, thanks, but no thanks. Right. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, what do you mean? Because it would look weird. It wouldn't just look weird. It is weird. Mm-hmm. It is weird. Right. Yeah, yeah. And she says, I understand what you're saying. Not even like, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't know why I did that. Just like. No, I understand what you're saying. Very odd. So then Jose, he gets interviewed. So he had a lot of story changes, right? And then obviously at the official statement, because this was weeks after, he stuck to one story. But before all of the official statements, his story went from his first story was that he saw Tamla at one in the morning debating whether to leave or not. Then he changed it up to, oh, I saw her at 1.30 in the morning and she specifically told me I'm going to go outside, have a smoke, and then I'll sleep on the couch or upstairs in the guest bedroom. Mm-hmm. This is really convenient because later Jean will back up that story and now they will both place Tamla to go have a smoke. 
They will both definitively say Tamla told us she was going to go have a smoke before she went to sleep. Mm -hmm. So then his story changes. I mean, that's really weird. Then he told on the 911 call that he was woken up by Madeline and went downstairs and he saw her laying face down on the ground. Right. But then Mm -hmm. later he tells a police officer that he was cleaning up in the morning and he found an unlit cigarette and lighter on the balcony, on the floor of the balcony. And it was it belonged to Tamla. So maybe she had dropped it and then fell. So, I mean, I just. Like the officers are like, so does that mean when did when were you cleaning? I thought you were asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, what is, that doesn't make any sense. And yeah. then later he changes his story to say that as he was walking to Tamla's body in the morning. So he wakes up. Madeline wakes him up. He's yeah. walking to Tamla's body. He saw a cigarette and lighter on the balcony floor. And because he has OCD, he says, not diagnosed, but like I have OCD, you know, that type of vibe. Mm-hmm. He has OCD. So he picked it up and set it aside. Can you imagine? Can you imagine someone told you someone is literally laying face down, could be dead? Yeah. And you're like, oh, fucking let me just clean. My OCD is getting the best of me. Like, how are you even... And then like another main thing with the official interview that they had problems with again is like the police officer is asking him like, who moved her arm then? And even Jose verified that both of Tamla's arms were by her sides. So by her side, just to give you some idea, if Tamla fell with her arms by her side, it seems like someone was unconscious and then pushed off of a balcony. Right. Whereas one arm up seems like, oh, she's trying to break her fall. Yeah. So the police start asking about all of this and he's just kind of like not really giving them a straight answer. I mean, it's just really, really weird. Okay, so this is where Bridget's official statement comes in. And Bridget, well, all I can say is... <laughs> I felt like I was smoking weed listening to Bridget's part because it's just so out of this world gnarly. I felt like Bridget's um, interview, I wanted to really dive in because she was the last person to see Tamla alive. You know, she kept saying Tamla walked me to the front door. She was the last person to see her alive. So was there any indication that something had happened? Did she get into a fight with one of the other girls? Like what could have possibly happened? And her interview gave me absolutely jack shit. Her interview is literally like when you go to a job interview and they ask you what your biggest weaknesses and then you go on a fucking tangent about like high school and like how you overcame struggles in college and then you're like oh my god what am i doing right and so he just asks one simple question about the party and she goes on what i can only imagine to be god tens of minutes of a tangent about how she is the mother of the group like okay being a mom of the group is not a personality trait bridget no offense and so she just is like i'm the mom of the group i never drink kids love me like she just goes on a tangent she doesn't even talk about the actual night that the death happened but she kept referring to the weekend before where they had a halloween party i kid you the fuck not if these statements were not available online you would not believe what i say because when she is asked about the actual night that tamla died Mm -hmm. somehow Somehow it leads to a tangent about how she doesn't like to drink too much alcohol because she's the mom of the group. Kids are her first priority. Mm -hmm. She was a nanny for nine years. Mm -hmm. She's got children of her own. Mm -hmm. Kids love her and trust her. Mm -hmm. last halloween last week the halloween party she was the star of all the kids because she used a power tool a saw to get the pumpkin seeds out and she was a party hit and all the kids loved i fucking kid you not why is she like that okay so i have my suspicions 
either maybe this is just Bridget. Like maybe she was, I don't know, maybe this is just her personality. Like this is who she is. Or she was really, really nervous. Uh. I mean, she might have just been nervous for the sheer fact that she was talking to the police. I'm not saying that she's guilty of anything. I'm just saying like she could have just been nervous that Mm. she was talking to the police. But the reason that I think she was nervous was not necessarily because of that. Because at one point in the interview, Bridget somehow lets it slip that she knows stuff that had happened after she had left. But she's not supposed to know that. So she was saying, yeah, so then I left. And then they said that she was like just like hanging out in the balcony. And the police are like, wait, you're not supposed to know that because you guys aren't allowed to be talking to each other about that night. Oh. So then the police are like, but how would you know that? Because you left at 145 in the morning. And now you're saying like this was her actions after you left. But how would you know that? Yeah. yeah. Without talking to the other people of the group. And then she goes on another fucking tangent. So I think these tangents are like her nervous thing, honestly. Uh. Then she like goes on to like this whole rambling spree of like and then the power tools and then the saw and then the pumpkin and the kids love me. And then you're just like, what? Makes sense. Yeah. So it was just a lot. Okay, so what came out of all of this, though? Like, what's happening at the real case at this point? And then they closed the case. They were like, it's an accident. Yeah, you're going to get some out. So that's pretty much all the statements. Okay, so there's like 10 different statements of 10 different people. You can read through all of them. All of them are like 40 pages each, right? And so then we have um, official screenshots kind of that were released to the public so the camera footage that's the question everyone has because it's like listen these people are wild these people we we they keep switching it up they keep saying Mm -hmm. different shit none of it's adding up so give us the camera footage like give us some footage that we can actually depend on and um there was no logs for that day. Mm-hmm. So there was actually an email to Officer Christian from Jean, and she was referring him as Mike. And she said, oh, so weird. I must have deleted the video on accident. I'm not tech savvy, so I don't know if it's something that you can get back. But here's my username and my password. Like, you deleted the one thing that could be used to help solve this? But then you also want to say, like, I mean, like, she makes it seem like she's helping the police by being like, oh, like, let me give you my username and password. But it's like after you deleted and wiped it of evidence, like you're not. Yeah. So that was like this big thing that people were upset about. The tequila was also very stressful because the police, for some reason, they refused to test the tequila bottle. There was about an eighth full of tequila in the tequila that everyone said Tamla was drinking. Mm -hmm. Why did they not test it to see if there's any Xanax in there or anything? But for some reason, they just wouldn't. Now, for like months, no media coverage. None. No one was talking about it. Not even locally in Georgia, apparently. There, nobody was talking about it. And people were really pissed about this because being in true crime myself, I can definitely say that there is such a disproportion to how crimes are reported mm-hmm. and how big certain crimes get. So um, there was absolutely no media coverage until Michelle Graves, Tam's BFF, remember her? For five and a half years, she met Michelle Graves in Cumming, Georgia, became her BFF. She started going all the press because she was like, absolutely not. And she was adamant. And she was saying, you know, every time we talk to any of the people at the party, they are giving us completely, constantly changing and conflicting stories. And it's just not okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we ask them, like, why do you keep changing your story? The party goers, they just keep saying, well, naturally, of course, different information comes out. Like the police lets us know different information and 
obviously we know more. So our story is a little different because like we know things that we didn't know before. Like they're trying to say that they're just like trying to give a clear story of what happened with the facts. But it's like, no, that's not what people want. Just give us your point of view so we can see exactly what actually happened. Yeah. Like stop going off the police, you know, and they're all talking to each other. So that's when Jean tried to get a restraining order on Michelle. Wow. Yeah. It was obviously dismissed by the courts because there was no evidence that freaking Michelle was like stalking Jean or anything. Mm -hmm. And she even sent a cease and desist to Michelle. She also tried to sue her. They're very sue happy, this group of friends. And this was definitely what I think is probably in just an intimidation tactic, like to get mm-hmm. a restraining order, all of these legal things. No one wants to pay a bajillion dollars in legal fees. It just doesn't look good for Jean, right? Mm-hmm. And um, allegedly, authorities told the party goers, if they're that scared of Michelle Graves, to get a gun permit. Now, both parties have denied this. The party goers have denied that the authorities have said this. The authorities have denied that they've said this to the party goers. But I think that's pretty weird. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. It seems like they're buddy buddies, you know? Mm. And so then December 2018, this is kind of when like a month and a half-ish later, Mm -hmm. this is when things really start blowing up. Like this is when it starts getting a lot of attention, but not even that much attention. So in 2018, it got big attention, but it blew up again in 2020 with everything happening with George Floyd. Mm -hmm. So this was bringing back all of the things that was like, hey, by the way, y'all fucked up here, too. And here and here. Well, let's talk about this since we're already talking about this, you know. Yeah. yeah. Which um, and so December 2018, it kind of blew up because uh, Jose got put on administrative leave for investigation and using his position to act says confidential files on a current investigation surrounding a death in which he was a witness he had accessed tamla's case like two to three times when that was not he's not allowed to do that so this was found yes by, by them okay he also had access the restraining order request that Jean had tried to put out on michelle uh-huh. which was weird and so two days after the investigation was opened and he was put on administrative leave he was actually fired for loss of confidence meaning they're like we don't think you're confident to actually do your job because what are you doing mm-hmm. and so a lot of people think that that's how their stories kept changing because he would go into the police logs look at what the police are thinking and saying and then they would change their story to make it make sense best with the police yeah and so at this point michelle starts getting sued i mean the friends start suing michelle so then she ends up going to the police station and she had gathered a lot of information using her own facebook page she had printed out tons of private information including private messages private messages with tamla regarding tamla messages from other people that were sent to her and she gave this to a police officer and then it fucking went missing And it has a lot of Michelle's own sensitive information on there that she entrusted with the Forsyth County Police Department. So in hopes that her best friend's very suspicious death could be put to a, you know, put to rest. It just disappeared. Wow. I mean, obviously, like she still has all this stuff on her Facebook. But like how nasty of a feeling to have all of this information. Who? How do you know who has it? How do you know that these people aren't buddy buddy? Like you don't know any of that anymore. And then immediately once the media attention started getting big, February of 2019, they officially closed the case. This motherfucker, his name is Joe Perkins of Forsyth County's Sheriff's Office. He said that no injuries aligned with foul play. This is his direct quote. It was a party. They were drinking she was drinking most of the party goers had gone to bed at the time and she was on the deck alone how do you know that how do you know that because the door opened is that how you know that 
because nobody else smokes but her is that how you know that how do you know that let us know right. how you know that right. you know right. and so then um once they closed the case everything shut down all the party goers lawyered the fork up like they already had lawyered up but this was like full-on like yeah it was bad and so all of them lawyered up um they just kind of like shut that shit down now july of 2020 the Tamla's family lawyer, Ralph Fernandez, had actually dropped a letter to the public. And around this time was, um, you know, there was already a lot of, lot of, like, outrage. There was a change.org petition that had close to 600,000 signatures on it. Mm. So that's also why they're reopening the case. Oh, it's being reopened? It's reopened, but don't get too excited, right? Because let me tell you. So Ralph Fernandez, he dropped a letter, and it says, and this is a direct quote because it's a freaking powerful letter. The law firm did a review on Tamla's death right so they said the review reflects that a homicide is a strong possibility witness statements are in conflict a potential suspect handled the body as well as the evidence prior to the law enforcement arrival evidence was disposed of and no inquiry followed the scene was not preserved evidence was inappropriately handled the investigation was compromised by unauthorized access and disclosure to potential targets and witnesses a remarkable fact is that there are no photographs taken during the autopsy of the body. This mm-hmm. would have been done at someone's directive because such a practice is unheard of. It appears Tamla was involved in a struggle. There were abrasions noted consistent with that scenario. There were parallel scratches on each arm. So like it looked like there were they, those could have been signs of a struggle since there there were no fresh photos that could have proven recent use of defensive force. But having no photos, it is to our detriment. Like essentially saying, like if they had photos, they could say like these look like defensive wounds. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we just have abrasion to the arm. You know, what the fuck is that? There was one x-ray, yet the injury noted as the cause of death appears nowhere in the Mm x-ray. The town of Cumming has a history that raises eyebrows. Mm -hmm. After conducting my extensive review, I have come to the conclusion that the truth never had a chance here. Here we are fighting an uphill battle because those who wear the badges and were trusted with the investigative task failed you. But this is not over. It will never be over. Be strong. Be safe. We will get through this. And this was a letter sent from the family attorney to the family. And it was released to the public. So they're just saying like, what? So 600,000 people had signed the petition for change.org for reopening the case on Tamla Horsford. Mm-hmm. And June 2020, the sheriff of Forsyth County asked the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to open the investigation. And they said it would be best if the GBI were to handle it. Mm-hmm. And they said that they would be fully willing to cooperate to any questions that they had, mm-hmm. which sounds very cute, right? Sounds like, oh, finally, right? But not really, because the GBI said, We're looking at everything. So if there is information, particularly new information that's out there, we are encouraging people to come forward. Mm -hmm. They have no definitive plans on when they are going to get the case running, what they're Mm going to do. Really nothing. Mm. Also, new information? What about all the information you guys mishandled? So are you literally just saying like we're going to reopen the case? So like if you have someone who confessed something to you or like if you have someone who suddenly seems like they have a motive, like talk to us. Like what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? The family attorney wants the FBI to be handling the case. They do not trust the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. So that's it? That's That's the latest? It's reopened, but I don't even know what that means. 
That's so crazy. I j- I'm just so shocked at how all these party go- goers reaction to something like this. You know, even if you're innocent, I I just can't imagine someone has the balls. Yeah. To act the way that they're acting, right? Like they're just so nonchalant and casual about everything. I just don't know how they have the emotional capacity to act like that. Yeah, like they they the way they talk about everything is just so unreal. Yeah, like it's like one thing to lawyer up, like I feel get like it. yeah, I do see I do see how you know the way they treated it at the beginning is so casual. Maybe yes. they really thought this is no big deal. I and I see that now. You know, since that they lo- lawyer it up, there's yeah. no updates from their statements, yeah. right? You don't hear them talking anymore. Yeah. But it they didn't lawyer up at the beginning because they really thought it's not gonna get this big. And like, why is that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like we That's know crazy. why that is because I just can't imagine someone dying and then you being like, "This is a casual thing." Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. how can you think that? Exactly. Now, I do know that all of the partygoers have been receiving some death threats here and there. So, please don't be that person. Yeah, yeah. I hate putting those disclaimers because it's like, I would hope that the people watching me know not to do that. Because that's just not, what yeah. is that going to do? That's not, that's literally doing nothing for Tamla or her family. That's just making everyone miserable. I know that I shat on them quite a bit here. I am saying I feel like people know more than they're letting on. I feel like there was fault on both parties. I think that the police, I mean, technically this was their job. So I feel like they have the big part of the blame because you are getting paid to do this and you did it so horrendously. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it is the blame of these party goers because this is a human that we're talking about this is even if you're not best friends with this person you know this person even if you don't even know this person it's a person how can you treat someone's death so like anyway like i heard she's doing coke like what are you kidding let me know what are your thoughts on this case this one was a behemoth i tried um because it was such an emotional case there was a lot of misinformation out there so i really wanted to go through most of the court documents to get the information but those court documents i mean they're court documents they were not fun they were really intense they weren't they were a lot of words that i didn't know so if i got anything that was a little bit wrong or messed up or like phrased differently please let me know so that i can make a correction but what are your thoughts and i hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast and i will see you guys next week and i'm sorry for getting so emotionally riled up bye (laughs) Bye.